Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for your presence. Uh, we thank you for even a, a sense of return um, to normalcy, to things that uh, we treasure uh, and have been hard to come by in this last year and a half. Uh, we ask, Jesus, that you would draw near to us as we study your word, and uh, Father, that you would um, help us to be bearers of that truth in life for others. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to say something that will sound like an opinion, but I regard it as a fact. And don't worry, I won't be talking about baseball or football or any of the teams I may or may not support. <clears throat> Baptism Sundays are the best. They, they truly are. Um, they're the best because uh, they are Sundays where we do two things. We remember and we anticipate. We remember that as young and old come forward to enter the waters of baptism, that there's good news. There's new life available in Christ to everyone and anyone. And we anticipate, particularly uh, when we are baptizing young children and infants who cannot yet express their faith for themselves. We anticipate and pray for the day that they will become aware of that great grace and mercy of God, that they will accept for themselves that salvation, um, and that we can celebrate through confirmation uh, that, that marker in their lives. So, in order to remember and anticipate this morning, I'm going to ask you three questions, which I often ask myself on days like these. Are you ready? Okay. Who are you? How did you become who you are? And in light of those two realities, how should you live? Let me ask that first one again. Who are you? Uh, society, uh, the world around us, around us, invites us to answer that question based on what makes us unique, right? Our gender, our socioeconomic status, our race, our profession, uh, perhaps our interests, hobbies, etc. But our scripture passages this, this morning invite us to identify ourselves by what we actually have in common. According to the Gospel of John, we were all once those who walked and lived in darkness. But something happened. Listen again to what John says about Jesus. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you believe in Jesus, you have been made a child of God. Not because you're better than those who still walk in darkness, but because God is a God of mercy and grace. Our passage from Galatians continues to develop this theme. Paul explains that we were once imprisoned, 
held captive to a set of standards that we could never live up to, doomed to fail. These standards functioned like a guardian who exercises absolute control over the the children or the uh, subjects in their charge. But then Paul describes a shift as well. Again, in Galatians 3, it says, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized in Christ, put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. John and Paul testify to the very same event. Jesus came. He died on the cross to forgive us of our sins and to set us free. And in doing so, he has made us sons and daughters of God through faith. For Paul, this is such a radical shift in identity that he points to some categories that the people in Galatia were defining themselves by. He points to ethnicity, social class, and gender, and he says these categories are essentially irrelevant in light of what you have in common in Christ. Because of that commonality, there is nothing then that can divide us without our cooperation. And if we're honest, we've cooperated a little too much with those divisions. So this morning, we need to remember that we are children of God, sisters and brothers of Christ. And let's stop self-segregating for any of those categories in order to keep the main thing the main thing. So, question two. How did you become a child of God? Uh, In America, we have a sort of uh, auto-reply for questions like this. Through hard work, right? Uh, We tend to attribute our success in life to our work ethic, our commitment to learning, our tenacity to keep going when the going gets tough. That's right. But our passages are clear. It's God's work, not our work, that makes us sons and daughters. We were all in darkness. We were all imprisoned when God used the person of Jesus to shine a light and loose our chains. When we respond to God's grace through baptism, he completes the process of transformation by something that Paul equates to adoption. And here's the end game. Here's the the fruit of that adoption that we see in Galatians 4, 6 through 7. And because you are sons and daughters of God, he has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. Um, That Hebrew word, Abba, uh, is best equated to daddy. What an amazing idea that we so easily take for granted, that we could call the God of the universe Daddy. 
Uh, my wife and I are in the process uh, of adopting a sweet little girl named Ezra. Uh, it's taken time, but over the course of this last year, as she's been in our home as a foster child, um, we have bonded with her to an extent to which she knows us and us alone as mommy and daddy. And for us, she's baby girl. Now, she's a full member of our family, and she knows it. Our boys, um, there's nothing we would give to them that we wouldn't give to her. And if we, imperfect as we are as parents, if we can love a child like that, if we can give our very best to her, how much more can our Heavenly Father give his very best to us when we are his adopted children? Uh, an integral part of this spiritual adoption comes through baptism, something we're going to observe together and participate in shortly. On September 12th, I preached a much longer sermon. You can sigh relief if you'd like. Uh, on the topic of baptism, where we addressed what it is that we believe here at Grace. Uh, if you're interested, you can go back on Facebook and uh, YouTube on the Grace Northridge page. You can look through that. Um, but I want to give you one key takeaway. Uh, one thing that's pretty important for us. If you read the book of Acts, the story of the early church, you'll notice three things often occur together. God's people believe, they are baptized, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Um, it doesn't always happen in a discernible pattern in the book of Acts. Sometimes one comes before the other. Sometimes there's a big delay between one of the parts coming from the others. But what we know is that these are all essential parts of the process of God saving and redeeming and renewing his people. And so I say that to say this morning when we baptize these little ones who cannot yet articulate a faith in Christ, we do so knowing that all of us, each and every one, are committing to teach and to model the faith of Christ that they too may believe. Maddox, Noble, Nora, and Rowan need their families to show them what it is to love Jesus. But they also need each and every one of us. This is why we ask you to serve in kids' worship. This is why we invite you to serve with students and to host life groups in your homes where you can care for and share the love of Christ with these little ones. They need to hear us pray like we actually believe God is listening. And they need to hear the stories of God's working in our everyday lives. So, if we are God's children, and we became God's children not by our work but by God's grace, how should we live our lives? I, I want to invite you to consider that all week. Right? There's not enough time that I think we could reflect on this question. There are as many answers to the question as there are pages in the Bible, and there are lots of those. But there's two that are top for me this week. The first is this. We should live lives marked by humility and gratitude. Everything we have is because of God. So we should live lives that are full of gratitude for what he has done. Lives not marked by conceitedness, but by thankfulness. 
Second, as his children, we should be imitators of God. If God welcomed us while we were still far off, if Christ died for us while we were still sinners, so too should we love and care for those who are far off, the orphans, the widows, the marginalized, the foreigners, the outcasts. Our lives should be marked by service and kindness um, to those because we have received such things from God. And so, as we close this time and prepare to move into baptisms, I just want to invite you to continue to reflect on those things. Where is God leading you? What is he asking you to press into? Did you forget the answer to one of those questions somewhere along the way? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us uh, that we might honor and love him well in this week. Let's pray. Uh, Dear God, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you for the reminders of your goodness, your kindness, and for this radical idea that you, the God of the universe, who put the cosmos into motion, that you would actually call us daughter and son. What a joy and a privilege that is. Uh, Help us to know who we really are, to remember that it's you who's done the work, uh, and to live lives which reflect that truth in everything that we do. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.